0: Welcome to another episode of Dr. Doctor, the award-winning radio
1: show and podcast featuring your physician hosts, Dr. Tom McGovern, and Dr. Chris Stroud, and Dr. Andrew Malawi, where we and our guests discuss relevant and health-related topics from an authentically Catholic perspective.
2: This episode will represent the completion of six years of Dr. Doctor as we record our final episode.
1: All three of us co-hosts
0: will be heard across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network as we discuss healing in
1: spirit and soul and body. And we hope this episode will combine both a 30,000-foot view of healing with an on-the-ground report of a particular example of healing. We want to draw some of our listeners, hopefully, to the universal principles that we have gleaned over the 300-plus episodes of interviewing and the wonderful guests that we've had on the show.
2: Mm. Now, there's a passage from St. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians that's going to provide the framework for today's episode. And for you cradle Catholics that don't know where that is or have it memorized, (laughs) Thessalonians 5.23, it goes like this. May the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept around and blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ he calls you is faithful and he will do it you know that passage
0: confused me for years because i was taught in the catholic church teaches that our soul is a spirit so what's st paul doing here separating out soul and spirit it
1: seems like no more than a rhetorical flourish So what do we do? We go to the other book, the Catechism, and under the section on man, paragraphs 362-367, to for those playing along at home, (laughs) the human person is described as body and soul, but truly one. In paragraph 363, it also says that soul also refers to the innermost aspect of man, that which is of greatest value to him that by which he is most especially in God's image.
2: Soul signifies the spiritual principle of man." Yeah, and it goes on the next paragraph to talk about the body uh, and the way that we tend to think of as physicians and healthcare workers. And it reads in 364, "'The human body shares in the dignity of the image of God. It's the human body precisely because it is animated by a spiritual soul, and it is the whole human person that is intended to become in the body of Christ, a temple of the Spirit. And the very next
0: line makes the most important statement of all that we need to remember as physicians, and that seems to be forgotten in the modern medical culture. That is that man, though made of a body and soul, is a unity, we're one. For this reason man may not despise his bodily life, reminds me of the episode with Bishop Rhodes on medical fatalism, (laughs) rather he is obliged to regard his body as good and to hold it in honor since God has created it and will
1: raise it up on the last day paragraph 365 explicitly talks about the soul as a spirit. Quoting, it is because of its spiritual soul that the body made of matter becomes a living human body, spirit and matter. In man, there are not two natures united, but rather their union forms a single nature.
2: So uh, to, to sum all of this up, you might say in 267, Finally, St. Paul goes on to say what he's talking about when he separated spirit and soul, and it reads, sometimes the soul is distinguished from the spirit. St. Paul, for instance, prays that God may sanctify his people holy with spirit and soul and body, kept sound and blameless at the Lord's coming. The church teaches that this distinction does not introduce what's known as a duality into the soul. Spirit signifies that from creation man, uh, that from creation man is ordered to a supernatural end and that his soul can gratuitously be raised beyond all it deserves to communion with God. You know, throughout the
0: six years of Dr. Doctor, and most deeply in the past year, God's been taking me on my own healing journey related to my suffering from anxiety for over 50 years. And because of some of the things I will mention during the interview, I've seen that the healing of a human person can involve each of these three facets that St. Paul talks about. Yes, as Chris just said, we are each one integrated human person. But the modes of healing can come through different avenues. It can come through the body, surgery, surgery medications, hands-on manipulation. Uh, Healing can come through the soul, which I understand is natural treatments through what we glean from psychology. But finally, something we weren't taught in medical school, healing can also be supernatural. And I think this is what St. Paul refers to when he talks about the spirit. It's the, the spiritual capacity of the soul, uh, union with God, that the catechism mentions and makes clear. So, uh, of course, we are each one whole individual. There's overlap between healing. So when our body's healed, our souls can be affected. Uh, when we are supernaturally healed, our body and soul. So some roads of healing can be involve one or more areas. Forgiving others Uh, affects our our soul uh, as well as our spirit and maybe even our body too but we're gonna examine that in the next interview session but before that we have our final medical trivia question of the day I thought I'd do something personal for us category is pro-life (laughs) co-hosts your three dr. dr. co-hosts and our wives oh especially our wives don't forget them have tried to live a pro-life ethic in our families in our three families as of <laughs> december 2023 two of us are not counting but one of us is how many children do we have it is a whole number there are none uh, in utero yeah. that we know
2: of at no the fractions. present moment but we'll be back <laughs> after
0: our break
2: And we're back with Dr. Doctor, thank you for joining us. We're talking about healing spirit, soul, and body. And Tom, in our introductory remarks, you sort of laid it out there and said you'd struggle with anxiety for a long time. Maybe maybe to get started here, we should talk to listeners a bit about, really, what is anxiety? Because people might have a different idea of what they're talking about. Well, when someone says they're struggling with anxiety, what do they mean, really?
0: So, anxiety, is a fear of something that is not physically present not imminent but it's the uh, amygdala our threat detection center sensor telling us something's wrong now we all suffer from anxiety but we don't suffer we all have anxiety <laughs> only about one in four people suffers from it that's because we take that thought and we try we worry over and over we ruminate or um, we just keep On overthinking things and so it's a disorder of thinking and when there is not a threat present we act like feel like that there one is and it can affect for me it was always pain in the chest in the uh, shoulders uh, and a
2: sense of doom but it's probably worth pointing out it's a natural and good and appropriate feeling in the right context if there's a guy in front of you with a gun you're supposed to feel anxious. We're designed. Right. We're designed to have that feeling. Right. It's in the absence of that threat. contextual threat. You got that we it. get those feelings, and so people that have panic attacks and the like will think they're dying, and they go to the emergency room convinced that's what's happening. Yes.
1: So, and you know, for our listeners, if they didn't key up to it in the first segment, this is it. This is the bookend of Dr. Doctor Doctor. <laughs> yes. And so, out of all the things we could choose to talk about, we thought that Tom, you know, especially your story parallels really a lot of what we were mm-hmm. hoping to do with Dr. Doctor. So. Oh my gosh. I
0: mean, I feel like God did this for me, for my healing. Now, I know many other people, you guys included,
1: have been benefited, but I just marvel at how so many of the guests have been part of my own healing mm. journey. Maybe you can start off at the beginning and give us a little of the background from from your childhood and stuff, just to help set the stage for folks who haven't heard that before. Mm. Sure.
0: Well, ever since I was six or seven, I thought I had to have the best grades in the class where I was a failure. I had to be the best in music, the best in sports, had to be student council president in junior high. But my nervousness, my anxiety was so well known that in my junior high yearbook in eighth grade when I was on the basketball team, my number was 13. And next, they had the number 13 on that page, and they had these lines radiating it from it saying, what's shaken nervous 13? So that was even known. And around that time, my mom told me the cause of my anxiety. It was great. You know, she said when she was expecting me as a child, she had this dream, and all the other mothers were giving birth to little babies, but she gave birth to a duck. Yes, here I was, a duck, <laughs> trying to survive in a world of people, and it just didn't work. Well, going to high school, that didn't help. I felt like, well, maybe if I get 99th percentile on all the standardized tests, I'll feel better. Or, or if I'm captain of the quiz bowl team, or if I excel in music, or I, I was governor of Michigan, American Legion, Boy State, none of these things, not you know, getting a, an oodle of college scholarships, including a full ride. And in fact, at the end of college, I just kept working harder and harder, getting more and more anxious, mm-hmm. thinking this is going to fill me up by a achievement because I had this hole in me and this achievement never worked I mean I was the top male student for grades at Michigan Tech the top male student for music and the top male student for service activities and still I go to med school and I choose a med school that's pass fail grading because I want to get off the treadmill <laughs> and the day I show up at med school at Mail clinic they said guess what we decided to institute honors pass fail grading and it just became miserable (laughs) our whole class was angry and so i developed a nickname in medical school called killer t okay in the immunology there are killer (laughs) t cells my first name starts with t and we were scored by t scores a t score of 50 was the average 60 was a standard deviation above 72 standard you can guess where i fit in fact during i'm feeling
2: anxious just listening oh i'm (laughs) feeling anxious just saying it so
0: my my lab partner he was he was a in uh, Gross Anatomy, he wrote and sang a song at our med school talent show the first year to the tune of Kenny Rogers' Coward of the County called The Gunner of the Med School. Ugh. And it was about me. Oh, Ugh. man. So lots of anxiety.
1: Wow. So this is like, I don't know. what When you were going through this as a child and as a young adult, it, it sounds like it was chasing you and you couldn't get away from it. Um, good description. Hmm. What did you do to try
0: Uh, All I knew, how. I I think I saw a counselor once in college, nothing helpful came from it, so all I knew how to do was to do the same thing over and over. Maybe if I just achieve more, maybe people will notice me, maybe people will love me, maybe people will respect me. Because I realize, as I'll tell later in the story, the thing that I had never experienced in my life was unconditional love. Affirmation. So I was always seeking that. I didn't realize I
2: was, but that's what I was. Through and achievement, seeking it through achievement. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, as you look back and think about reflectively, do you think you had? Um, do you think you had counterparts feeling exactly the same way, equally isolated? Because I mean, I think we know, and we'll probably talk about millions of people suffer from crippling anxiety. Um, I, I think it's pretty common in high achieving people. Yeah. Uh,
0: that's what I've heard you know I finally got some insight into it I took a year off of med school because I wasn't enjoying it I thought God was calling me through some things that happened on a trip to Medjugorje, a priest in confession, a woman after Mass, and none on the airplane. All said, I'm either going to be a priest or I should consider being one. So I go to seminary, and after a semester, I get kicked out. Why? Because I (laughs) behaved badly because of my anxiety. And I started to see a counselor. And he taught me the best thing I ever heard a counselor say in my first 55-plus years of life, and that was, Tom, sometimes you just have to feel the pain. Mm. And that was my introduction to really living in the present moment, or what some people might call mindfulness. Okay. Um, and then I finally, finally, during my fourth year of med school, got a medication that helped to calm me down, so that I could finally get engaged and get married. But it it just blunts your emotions. It doesn't make you all better. There's still anxiety there.
2: But what a, what a catch twenty two. You always wonder: Are are overachieving kids anxious because they're overachieving, or are they? overachieving because they're anxious. I mean, what you're describing as anxiousness really should probably look to the world like incredible drive. You know, that kid is so driven.
0: Oh, yeah, well, that's the problem. When your addiction is gambling or sex pornography or um, eating or something, drugs, people notice. But when your addiction is achievement, people just... Pat you on the back. Yeah, and and do more, keep it up.
1: You, You don't say that with other addictions. It's very strange. So, Tom, from all the episodes that we've done here I know you probably remember most of them (laughs) (laughs) what uh, which ones would be the best to help people understand anxiety as a disease process
0: well, of course, uh, Kevin Majors, our, our good yeah. friend from um, Harvard, uh, I think is superb at that. So I, I would recommend... We had him those on at least half a dozen times. At,
2: yes. And they were all excellent. And so listeners could search uh, our old episodes and find him. He's tremendous. And it's
0: an odd spelling of Majors. It's M-A-J-E-R-E-S. That's right.
1: And so you, you had mentioned, you know, one of the first things that I'd say in, in many ways is still a standard of care when folks are suffering from anxiety. They seek out help from a doctor. Medicine is one of the big discussions. Right. Tell us about your experience. How you came to that? Did it help? Some side effects? How did you? Sure. And, and Francie Broghammer did
0: an episode on psych meds with us, and. Uh, you know, there's a lot of side effects to these either SSRIs, these serotonin reuptake inhibitors, or SNRIs, serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors. They affect um, the chemistry where neurons come together in the brain. And we don't know exactly how they work, but they do, we do know that serotonin levels in the brain, when they're higher, people generally have a feeling of well-being. Yeah. and. Uh, but as Kevin Majors would argue, it delays our own training of getting over our anxieties toward what's called cognitive behavioral therapy, a part he particularly talks about called um, acceptance and commitment therapy, or ACT. So the medication, it can um, affect intimacy, it can make you hungrier, can make you sleepier, can blunt your emotions. I, I never cried while I was on meds and as soon as I get off meds, I will cry at things that will, that make me really happy. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the things, I noticed a blunting of my emotions and who I was and just an emotional awareness of other people's emotions when I've been off, that's much better than when I'm on the medication.
2: But you, like many people struggling with either depression or anxiety, find themselves being forced to choose between side effects, or how you feel without the medication.
0: Exactly, I mean, Uh that's why in 2018 January I went to another one of our guests, Cindy Hunt, who talked about the opioid epidemic, but she's a psychiatrist. I said, Cindy, these side effects are driving me crazy. I've been on this medicine almost 30 years. What can I do to get off?
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, and when you were taking that, 30 years is a long time, did you feel like it it helped some? It helped you finish school and kind of get started with practice and stuff? Or really, were you just, you kind of feel like you were suffering that whole time? (laughs)
0: I think it's a Catholic thing, both and. Okay. So it, it did it did enough to blunt things to help me get through,
1: but there was still a lot of suffering, and it was still a lot of suffering for my wife and my kids. Mm. Okay, and thank goodness we had Cindy Hunt. So that's providential, right? Oh. Tell us a little bit about that encounter. <laughs> Uh, she recommended uh, seeking cognitive behavioral therapy and this was
0: before we did the interviews with Kevin Majors this was in fact the the first month that our show started uh, airing even on podcasts was January 2018 so uh, I saw some counselors and um, nothing helped because they never gave me anything to do in the moment of anxiety just exercises to do outside those times so had us. Interesting experiences in August 13th and 14th, back-to-back days in 2019, finally, uh, I found I heard the same phrase I'd never heard before. One was from a new counselor and one was from Kevin Majors the next night while interviewing it. And that's what I mentioned earlier, acceptance and commitment therapy. Mm. And that's when I learned i had been doing it wrong. You can't think away anxiety. And that was I when I, we were introduced to the idea that you can't fight anxiety with thinking, but you can find it with, fight it with being just Aware in the present moment, just being mindful of what's in front of me instead of thinking about the future or the past. Mm.
1: Yeah, the thinking probably provokes it more
0: well you know we have this machine in basketball called the leaper it's an isokinetic machine and you stand up and have these pads on your shoulders with this um, handles and you would push up on it and the harder you push up against it the harder it pushes down against (laughs) you and that's what it is with anxiety when you're trying to think it away it becomes worse but as, as Kevin majors explained your amygdala is sending you this threat signal and the more you ignore the signal or fight the signal the stronger it gets but when you accept the signal back to this counselor saying sometimes you just have to feel the pain when you accept the signal then it calms down the amygdala oh you got it I'll stop sending out all this adrenaline and making you nervous and it calms you down and you can use that adrenaline to accomplish the next good thing
1: now you you had mentioned trying counseling in the past but you you lacked something to do in the in the moment correct tell us did you get some benefit from counseling? I mean, I'm thinking None. of listeners who are like, they told me to go counseling, and I loved it, or I didn't love it. I mean, mm-hmm. how should people think of this? When, I mean, I kept looking for that thing in the moment, and ACT did that.
0: Okay. And, in fact, the best book that I was recommended by another guest, Sister Marisha Weber, uh, who's been on the show about uh, screen addiction, telemedicine, she recommended this book called The Happiness Trap. And it has the best... In the moment, things that you can do uh, for anxiety. And those types of things, you know, and well, of course, even Kevin Majors, his reframing mindfulness challenge triad, you know, when we have a challenge, that really is the essence of acceptance and commitment therapy. But, you know, rethinking about things or imagining that uh, this horrible thought. Is um, is real and just? You know, Kevin would teach me to you know write it down, say it out loud, then write it down with an exclamation point, and then you know say it out loud and keep doing that. And after a while, the feeling extinguishes, because as I learned from him, the natural life's, uh, life lifespan of an emotion is about 90 seconds, unless we keep uh, oh, thinking it, re- in, recycling it, recyc- so. Yeah, there you go. Yeah.
2: Well, it's interesting. I mean, listeners. Don't think for a minute that we're saying therapy for anxiety doesn't work. No. But we're saying you had to struggle through uh, failed therapy after failed therapy to finally get to that sweet spot where there was some help. Yes. And it, it seems, at least in my years of practice, that's been a common theme with people yeah. seeking therapy.
1: Well, I, I'm not sure all therapies created equal. Yeah. Right. Amen. And uh, I think highlighting the ACT therapy, especially for anxiety, is is a key point there.
2: But you had to search for that. You I to, did. You had to look and fail and find it. Um, and so I remember. I can't remember the guest who used to describe depression, anxiety meds like a cast on a broken arm. Remember that episode? Well, yes, yeah, it was uh, Kevin Major. So it so. No, have,
0: no, it wasn't. It was our uh, child psychiatrist from Kansas, Larry Mitnall. Uh, was the child psychiatrist uh, who taught you us go. about the analogy of the cast and the, and the bone and the
1: medications. I know it was in there somewhere.
0: Yeah <laughs> it's it's deep in the hippocampus or the hypothalamus or thalamus. I don't know which to the brain. <laughs> well but, I
2: love that picture because you know we're talking about a bone is broken beneath that cast the bones going to heal. Right. Uh, and then the cast comes off so you could sort of think of medications as the cast.
0: If you're learning the skills. To heal the bone. Right. Yeah you know,
2: that's a big if.
0: That's it. And it took me, uh, I it took me eight months to taper off medication while doing uh, morning prayer for half an hour in just silence, focusing on my breathing in Jesus' presence. Uh, I do high intensity interval training because that we learned from Kevin Majors was valuable mm. uh, because those all out sprints, three thirty second sprints at least every other day, increases certain brain chemicals that help us, uh, and then doing the. Uh, the reframing mindfulness and challenge and I gradually got
2: off the meds. Wow. And you did some diet changes as well.
0: Uh, Yes. That was another one of our guests. May he rest in peace. Uh, Craig Stump. Craig Stump from Tucson. Yes. uh, Intermittent fasting, the value of that, you know, back in 2013, I took off 30 pounds and this has been the easiest way to keep it off. You know, I just eat between noon and eight. Some people will will shrink it. I think Kevin Majors eats one meal a day and then a snack in the evening, Mm. you know, meal later in the afternoon. But uh, yes, that was good. And those We've done another intermittent fasting episode and those have been popular episodes.
1: Mm. So as, as you're coming off these medications, carry us on in that story, how did this go?
0: it went it went pretty well although i developed advanced phase sleep disorder where i would just lose my ability to focus after 7 or 7:30 at night fall asleep real early and wake up real early which i'd never done before so that was unexpected and when you're going off of these medicines you often have this numbness or these tingling around the mouth that lasted about 2 to 3 months wow. on and off um, of coming off of an ssri uh, and then i also developed uh, insomnia on and off after that so I felt better emotionally like every time our family would watch an episode of the chosen i would cry so and they're like what's 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 dad doing (laughs) are those are those tears my wife would look at me so uh but it was actually a a richer experience of life but i i was off for about uh two years from may of 2020 yeah right during the height part of the lockdown during the
1: pandemic um until may of 2022. and during that time Lot of lot of success. Really feeling pretty good. Right. Kept doing all the things that I'd learned from Sister Mauritius Cindy Hunt, Kevin Majors,
0: uh, doing the exercise. You know, regular prayer. Lots of you know, at least half hour to start every day, plus other prayer through the day. So, uh, f- feeling better. Not great, but still seeking to fill that hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know,
1: with achievement. Yeah, uh, and catch it. Tell us, kind of, you had mentioned a specific month in 2022 what happened to bring bring symptoms back that's fascinating in fact i just got more insight i was just on my
0: second annual healing retreat you know days before this and i finally have an answer to that question okay. because i had been wondering because it was triggered by an email but other stuff had happened so in april of 2022 some providential things a lot of providential one is andrea serrani our our wonderful producer Uh, reached out to Bob Schutz, Dr. Bob Schutz, to have him on the show and Dr. Bob said you know I typically say no I'm just so darn busy and thanks be to God he said and he's he's tuned in with the Holy Spirit he said but the Holy Spirit said I should say yes I don't know why (laughs) so in in early April we had this one hour phone call to plan uh, and in, an interview he sent me his book be healed and I'm reading that book in early April while I'm at the University of Dallas helping a conference for pre-medical students down there and that weekend I get a call that my dad in the nursing home is starting to go downhill mm. rapidly and I'm his um, his health care power of attorney and so I'm dealing with that at the conference uh, And needless to say that was uh, Palm Sunday Yes, he ends up dying. As I'm landing in the airplane back from Texas in Indiana, he dies in Michigan, um, Palm Sunday right before noon in 2022. So that happened. And five weeks later is when I had the, the, well the uh, the relapse and you know one of the things that somebody told me it was fact it's a guest on the show but I don't want to embarrass this person but I was told that a man only really becomes a man when his father dies Mm. well this weekend I was told that's a lie you need to renounce Mm -hmm. so all of that plus the fact I never really learned how to be a father or a man my my dad had a lot of things working against him growing Mm -hmm. up and uh, I don't blame him it's just we can't give what we don't have and so all that emptiness about knowing how to be a man and a father plus my dad dying and not being able to you know know am I You know, did I make you proud, Dad? Did you love me, Dad? Um, I think all of that probably played in. And and this is where, while ACT, cognitive behavioral therapy, have great strengths to help in the moment, the one flaw, and I noticed it the first time that we interviewed Kevin Majors, because my first question was something about risk factors. Oh, we don't talk about that. Hmm. We don't look at root causes with okay. CBT which which shocked me but i found out that's pretty much true so it's very powerful in the moment mm-hmm. but the same root problem gives ri- can give rise over and over to anxiety or something it's gonna come up so it was like maybe to end the first half of the interview it was like in Matthew where Jesus talks about this man who's cleansed of demons and the demons will go out in the arid places it doesn't find another place to go it brings other friends and goes back into that man and makes the state of that man worse than it was before that's where I was 9 to 10 out of 10 bone-crushing physically painful emotionally painful anxiety it took me three medications to get back to just Functioning.
2: After being so well.
1: After being so well. Well. Good, great. But we'll talk about more. Yeah, that's probably a good time. We're going to take our, our standard break here and we'll be back in just a moment on Dr. Doctor. And we are back here on Dr. Doctor in our final episode. Tom's kind enough to share his story with us and Really, this is a a great example of what we're looking for, where it's the healing of the whole person. Right. So, Tom, you've brought us up kind of until the the very recent past, where you had a bit of a a relapse, Mm -hmm. and you realized the kind of the conventional therapies you've availed yourself to were inadequate. What'd you do then?
0: Right. Well, in the in the para- or in the healing of the paralytic at the pool of Bethsaida for 38 years Jesus asked him do you want to be healed and I felt like in June of 2022 I'm at the CMA leadership um, training meeting and I said yes because I was down there with my friend Cindy Hunt I was also texting that weekend with Dr. Bob Schutz who we recently interviewed for the, the show and they he recommended this healing prayer that was part of the work of the JP2 Healing Center that he founded uh, Cindy concurred with that she said many of our seminarians from San Francisco where she lives go there he does you know class A Work and Father Kubat, the chaplain of the CMA, said, and I finally listened, start doing at least one week of adoration in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And I started doing that. And so when I got back, I, I connected back with my spiritual director, who was set up uh, back in 2017 by, uh, again, one of our guests, Bishop Kevin Rhodes. We were sitting at a table at the Convocation of Catholic Leaders. I said, I needed a spiritual director for something. And he pointed across the table to Father Mark Gertner, who is, thanks be to God, now my spiritual director. So I started that in this regular healing prayer through the summer of uh, 2022, but at that time, you know, I've got seven kids, I still had uh, two at home, uh, a full-time practice, uh, running that as a, as a partner owner, and I was involved with reorganizing the, the CMA young members, I was on the CMA National Board doing the Doctor Doctor episodes, which takes a lot of time to to prep, uh, helping medical students around the country, we wanted to go into dermatology, write articles, and I could go on. I was doing too much stuff, again,
1: to still try to fill that hole. So how you want to be healed? So how how did you attack that?
0: So I started going, you know, to at least three daily masses or two daily masses a week. The adoration, um, the morning prayer, trying the the healing stuff and something called the Emmanuel approach to to healing that Bob shoots recommended. But I kept hitting barriers. It's it's like mm, I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to do it right. I'm trying to heal myself, and guess what? It doesn't work when you try to do it. <laughs> so we were in. Um, Denver at this CMA meeting in 2022 and that was another guest that we had on Father John Zeta when we talked about uh, demonic oppression versus mental illness and something he said was that if your medication levels keep going up and the symptoms are still there that it's sometimes a sign of demonic oppression so after Andrew and I uh, interviewed Father Zeta that day he he prayed a prayer over me and when I returned uh, my spiritual director allowed me to uh, you can apply in the diocese to be prayed over on deliverance prayer by a priest who specializes in that area and based Based on my story, I was accepted, and I've been receiving that deliverance prayer from a priest delegated by the bishop uh, weekly now for the last uh, over a year. Man, wow. that's awesome. And uh, yeah, we'll get to some amazing things that happened through that. But Cindy Hunt, back in September 22, said, Tom, you're burnt out. No, I'm not. I can do this. So I go to, to Rome. I get this big award from the International Association of CMAs for my work <laughs> with the youth. I said, well, you know what? World Youth Day is coming up. Let's. Why don't we start... A camp for medical students from around the world. So I started planning that with doctors from around the world. I was insane, and finally, uh, toward the end of twenty two, I said, "You know what, Cindy, you're right, Uncle. I was burned out. I had no mental or emotional energy. I didn't think I was making any difference in any people's lives. And then the rest of the triad, I didn't care. Yeah. So um, finally, I went on a healing retreat in uh, December of twenty two, uh, and I learned one important thing, and. The Institute for Priestly Formation teaches that the basis of our lives are relationships, particularly those early in life with our parents and relationship with God, which then gives us our identity, and from our identity flows our mission. I've been living life backwards. Mission first. All these things I'm doing to hmm. cobble together an identity. Yes, I'm the guy who does this and this and knows that. And then maybe relationships will come because of all these things. Maybe people will like me, respect me, love me. So I finally realized, how's that working out for you, Tom? Not so
1: well. <laughs> <laughs> that only took, what, 50-some years? Uh, it was uh, 59 and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, so we all move at
0: different places. <laughs> you know. Yeah.
1: You, you know, you mentioned the burnout word, which is a, a common, popular thing that we're talking about. Mike Parker did an interview on that with us. <laughs> Mike Parker, for sure. It, it, do you think that is largely related to just... Being overworked I mean you were doing more than anybody I know or is it is it just that identity <laughs> burnout is, is typically due to doing work we don't enjoy doing it's usually mm-hmm. not the amount
0: of work it's the work itself so burnout can be external it can be a system thing a system saying you've got to do this and this but I learned something fascinating from a guy that would have been fun to have on the show Pat Lancioni, who's a, a Catholic Catholic business expert something called the working genius where he uh, lays out on workinggenius.com working genius.com and on his podcast working genius six steps of uh, work and he's a Catholic Catholic, and he works with parishes, uh, but every work, uh, everything we do, you know, from uh, planning a meal, uh, building a business, uh, planning a trip, has six steps. Wonder, invention, discernment, galvanizing, enablement, and tenacity, and, and you can look that up, but I learned that everybody has two of those steps we love doing, and what I love doing is inventing from the scratch and discerning the best Thing to do in a situation where as two things will drain all of us and the thing that drains me was the enablement helping people one-on-one in ways that they most need and tenacity pushing things over the finish line bringing mm-hmm. them to completion and yet that's what I was becoming known for was the enablement tenacity
1: and it was sucking the life out of me do you think this was uh, a standalone issue or was this kind of the progression of anxiety in your life
0: This was the response to anxiety was to try to achieve, but my achievement Mm. I started to achieve doing the things I hated doing the most. Mm. Uh, So it was again trying to fill that hole, and that hole was the source of the anxiety. And that's when uh, we learned from Bob Schutz, and I learned from Bob Schutz about um, you know the origin of that. But but right before that, I decided, okay, I'm burnt out. Cindy Hunt said you got to quit everything you're doing. So after the seek 23 conference that I was in charge of for the CMA our participation there um, January 7th of this year I resigned from the CMA resigned from leading the young members uh, went on a retreat of uh, three days long the following weekend and on the retreat a priest said oh, why don't you try praying this prayer to St. Charles de, Fol- de folk cold of abandonment I said okay father I come home from the retreat Monday night I get in the mail uh, a letter from a priest that was at seek 23 the week two weeks before it was that prayer st charles and then twice later in the month of february a friend would give me a book based on that prayer and another friend would text me the prayer said you need to pray this <laughs> so needless to say i've been praying that prayer of abandonment See, uh... sister mary diana drager another guest we've had on the show about yeah. um, you know how how to how to help your parents uh... <laughs> who are older uh... with their medical care uh... she got hooked me on the father timothy gallagher Awesome books about understanding the uh, rules of discernment. St. Ignatius of Loyola. Wow. And one of the rules is we need to strengthen the weakest part of our spiritual life. Well the weakest part of my spiritual life is what was I doing? I was trying to control my own healing. So control was my weakest point. So what's the solution to that? Abandonment. So God gave me the abandonment mm-hmm. before I realized that control was my problem.
1: And how, I mean I'm I'm trying to picture myself in that situation just kind of all these things that you do well and you care about, you say I've got to step back from for my own healing. How did that make you feel? Was that scary? I'd be scared. It it, it was
0: a little scary, but that's when grace started flowing because something amazing happened. You know, the three of us in in January sat down and decided to meet with a consultant. What's the future of Dr. Doctor? Well, the following weekend I'm home and all of a sudden all my awards, all my recognition, anything on my walls related to that, my shelves became absolutely repugnant to me. (laughs) And I just cleansed the house of anything that had to do with awards or achievement. And my wife is like, what's going on? I always thought it was weird, Tom, that you would put up stuff. I mean, and I didn't have it all over the place. I had <laughs> you know, some here and there. Uh, but it just, and to this day, I just have no desire to have any sign of that around me. So grace was working. Um, but then something, you know, we get to the, you know, we talk about the soul and the body, things I learned for my soul, you know, through the ACT, uh, the body with the medication. Well, then the supernatural stuff and i you know here we hear through bob shoots about all these people healing these things when they're being prayed over they break down on tears it's like yeah that'll never happen to me but I believe God does it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. T- tell us about that, because that is something, I mean, you had mentioned, we don't learn that in medical school.
2: No. And just I the I feel opposite. like,
1: <laughs> depending on the circles you run in in the church, what your parish is like, you may never have heard of it at your parish either. Uh, no. And but- this was probably the most important thing I learned
0: from Bob Schutz, this anatomy of a wound. In a wound, another medical word is trauma, just either an absence of love we should have had, or the presence of something negative, like some form of abuse. And so... uh my main wound i've had multiple, but one of them is the fact that you 're not very bright tom you're not going to amount to much, you don 't have common sense. This is something I heard growing up, and there were spe- specific moments and and so that's why, and so around every wound, you build a first layer of scar tissue of beliefs, mm. and they're false beliefs. And the belief about yourself. my belief is that well. Uh, other people are only going to love me if I perform Mm. if I achieve and then you form judgments about other people another false belief and the judgment is that well they will only care about me if I continually perform you know it's the what have you done for me lately thing and then the second layer of scar tissue around the false beliefs are what bob calls unholy vows or resolutions that we make unconsciously my unconscious resolution that i made sometime around the age of six or seven i'm going to be the smartest guy in the room the most accomplished guy in the room so no one can ever say i'm lazy uh or stupid and maybe just maybe they'll respect me or like me
2: yeah i'll show you a response yes but you know it seems worth pointing out listening to you describe that that this is the way your anxiety showed itself so i think we would want to caution listeners oh yeah that you may have anxiety and it just doesn't show itself as tr- trying to overachieve so, that's so, how your disease
0: so bob itself. talks about you know, there's seven deadly wounds. Okay, this would be mainly responding to the wound of rejection, but there's yeah. also abandonment, fear, shame, powerlessness, hopelessness, confusion. So all of those can be, I mean, oftentimes that's the basis for drug addiction. The drug addiction yeah. becomes the vow that we make to try to heal this trauma. So there's a mm. lot of different ways that yeah. we try to address those. Absolutely.
1: Mm. Man, and so you've this has led you to go on a couple of these retreats, right? Right, but... Nothing much happened on that retreat except the trying to start
0: with mission and go to relationship. But then something amazing happened March 10th of this year. I was being prayed over uh, by the priest. And, and the, you know, the, the priest that's typically doing the deliverance is an exorcist. But it's not because I needed exorcism. it's It's more for potential oppression. You don't really know for sure. But I knew for sure after what happened. He's praying the prayer of Leo the thirteenth over me and you know, you guys don't even know who the exorcist is. He stays Below the radar in our diocese, but he's somebody you would never guess was. I mean, he's just so darn matter of fact, down to earth. And he's praying over me, and all of a sudden, I see this image of Mary in my imagination, like I've never seen her, standing up like the most vigorous woman in the universe with this look of fierce love on her face, her left arm pointing out to the side for the demons to take off. And I just broke down in deep sobbing tears in that priest's office for about 15 or 20 minutes. And I was like, what just happened? <laughs> I've never had anything like that happen. Not an image, and I felt already some freedom that I had not realized. And the exorcist, he was so cute. What did you see, Tom? What happened? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, it was so great. And it's like, it, you know, he's prayed over me, you know, over 50 times. That's happened twice. It happened again this summer in August. And again, its it's not anything I can make happen. Mm. So that happened, and it's like, well, what? Okay, I'm being prepared for something. Well, the something was that Bob shoots when we had done our December. We'd interviewed him the previous December. He said, "Tom, I want to offer you to participate in this healing the whole person retreat free, and it's online." It's like, oh, what can an online retreat do? All right, Bob, I'm just going to be docile. So. I was going to be trained at the end of March in this uh, working genius to be a, a facilitator two afternoons. So I'd taken off. I was only going to work two days that week. The last week of March, same week as this virtual retreat. Okay, I'll fit it in somehow. I'll work Monday and Tuesday and then squeeze it in. Well, God had other plans. This is so beautiful. So I finally decided with burnout I would stop working Fridays. Okay, only going to operate four days a week. So I stopped working Fridays. March 24th, got got a cold over the weekend. About to go in Monday, get texted from our clinical leader, and she says, Oh, Dr. McGovern, two of your assistants are out sick with COVID. And I'm like, How am I going to do 15 cancer surgeries today, missing two assistants? It's not possible. My wife reminded me, Tom, you're sick, get tested. So I go into work with hope, and it's like, I get tested, and I did the happy dance. I had COVID, a <laughs> mild case. I had to go home. I got to do the retreat. Yeah. It was like, oh my goodness, this was not a coincidence because on Tuesday of that
1: retreat and in the COVID comes full circle ooh, now. COVID <laughs> comes full circle. It's After like, all these years. You are my
0: friend. And so... Uh, In the retreat, in the afternoons, there was a a live Q&A on Zoom with Bob Schutz on that Tuesday afternoon of the retreat, and at the end, he led us through this healing prayer, the same one that I had tried and always hit a barrier. Well, I found the reason I always hit a barrier, because I never had a safe memory to go to where I felt protected, ever. So as he's going through this, I'm all of a sudden taken back to this memory when I'm seven years old. Someone has just told me that I'm not very bright, and all of a sudden, from behind, Jesus comes and just bear hugs me. And I broke down in my den for 30 minutes with deep sobbing tears. I finally received an answer to something I've been praying for decades, to know, not just in the head, but to know that God loved me. I knew without a doubt, I know now without a doubt, that he loves me. That, that event was worth an everything. Wor- yeah, was worth everything I ever accomplished in my life, and more. Mm. I would have rather had that than everything I'd ever accomplished. It was just tremendous. And not to be outdone. The next day, Wednesday afternoon, Sister Miriam James Heidland does the retreats with Dr. Bob. And she did another meditation after the Q&A. And during that, she said, Pick something that is current, that's distressing you. I said, Well, that morning, I'd received a phone call that one of my best surgical assistants, Noah." no longer wanted to work with me because it was stressful to work with me. I was crushed. And so I, I took that to it, and she has this meditation where we just hand it over to Jesus. And I won't tell you the details of what happened in this one, but something happened such that it addressed my need to grow in maturity like Christ. And I broke down in tears again for 20 minutes. And, you know, Bob talks about the tree of life. At the root, we have security grounded in love. That was that experience with Jesus on the Tuesday afternoon then we grow in maturity the trunk of the tree like Christ this address that then we can bear fruit um, like the leaves and fruit of purity after that well just to show that this was not just in my head I go back to work the next Monday and Tuesday and that assistant at the end of Tuesday goes to our Ba, our CEO and says I want to keep working with Dr. McGovern Something's <laughs> different," and she still does
2: wow.
0: uh, and uh, yeah and I've had more experiences like that mm. since then but I, I am
1: now healed of the wound that says I have to perform to be loved you know I'm I'm hearing all this and obviously this is a huge part of healing that was required for you that you've missed for so long what what should listeners hear if they if they feel like hey I wanna get into this I might be missing this as well this could explain a I lot. think this
0: is one of the biggest things that can help any Christians today because Jesus wants us all to be healed. Mm. Pope Benedict XVI said that essentially Christianity is a religion of healing. That's what salvation (laughs) is all about, healing us to make us the way we were meant to be. You know, uh, the best place to start is the resources of the JP2 Healing Center that Bob Schutz runs. Mm. Um, Also, We've had
1: several episodes with Bob.
0: Oh, Bob, yeah, listen to those episodes like forgiveness and healing. Um, You know, I had something else happen with my practice where I felt like I had been living with a certain injustice for 20 years and I was scared to death to bring it up and through the help of sister Mir- uh, sister Marisha Weber she helped me through that and it involved forgiving people that I was really angry with and sister Miriam James has this tremendous healing meditation to take you through to forgive people it was through that that I was able to let go and say God if you don't want me in my practice after 24 years I'm ready to leave but in a way I couldn't have foreseen he gave it back to me gave me the courage to stand up and say what I needed to say. Um, So you can do that too. And, you know, Bob's podcast with another uh, counselor, Jake Kim, Restore the Glory. I would start with the um, Anatomy of a Wound series
1: within it. That would be a great place to go. I love it. I mean, this really in so many ways, I do think that your journey has kind of paralleled the show. (laughs) I mean, I don't know which is the the leader and the follower there, but, I mean, this is, uh, we really appreciate you showing kind of, everybody your story sharing that with us and um, hopefully some of the listeners will be able to hear parts of this that intrigue them or touch close to home and can reach out to some of our old episodes that highlighted
2: those issues Mm. amen to that well that seems like a good spot to take a break we'll be back with a lot more including the answer to this episode's medical trivia question right here on doctor doctor Well, welcome back to Doctor Doctor, and welcome to the answer of this our final episode's uh, medical trivia question. Take it away, Tom.
0: So, among your three Doctor Doctor co-hosts, how many children are we raising into adulthood, <laughs> or have raised into adulthood? In fact, my youngest become adults tomorrow. I'll have no more minors in my family. <laughs> so, among if you guessed the number nineteen, you're wrong. If you guessed the number twenty-six, you're wrong. If you never th- guessed three, you're wrong. But if you guessed twenty. You are right. The good Dr. Chris Stroud is bringing five good young adults into the world. Uh, my wife and I, well, he had the help of his w- good wife. My wife and I have seven children. And Andrew has eight and counting. So uh, let's count five plus seven plus eight
2: was 20. Suddenly listening to all your talk about achievement, I feel really underachieved.
0: <laughs> As my wife would often say, right. it's not a contest, Tom.
2: <laughs> I do have four absolutely beautiful grandchildren. I got you there. Oh, <laughs> man, I love it. So even though I only good have five children, you. they been prolific thus far. So. I would expect nothing less. <laughs> well, this has been an amazing episode. It's been an amazing journey all around. If I tried to think back over all of our episodes, there, there's too many episodes. It could take hours and hours to think through them. But it, but it has been an amazing journey, hasn't it?
1: It has. And I mean,
2: you know, when we first
1: got together to talk about having this show, I mean, there was several goals, but I think this... This episode is a, a great bookend of healing the person, the whole person, mm-hmm. and uh, trying to do it in a, in a way that obviously respects the truths of our faith but also brings science in. And that's always been, I guess, maybe for my, my takeaway. Yes. I guess the takeaway for me is that
0: healing is never complete this side of heaven. Uh, for instance, I'm still on one medication. It's a, a milder one, but nevertheless, I'm not free of them yet, although uh, based on something I learned while being prayed over this week, and I think I will be, uh, but whether I am or not, the, the key is always trust God, always seek healing. God wants to heal you, and he may heal you with medication, he may heal you with surgery, with manipulation, through relationships, um, supernaturally, or maybe with some natural psychological things, but be open to whatever he has be docile to him because when you let him in charge of your healing that's when it happens when you try to do it yourself as I learned, not as effective
1: it's beautiful Tom that's a wrap I
0: think Is that a wrap? You know, thank you for listening to another episode of Dr. Doctor. You can find this and all the old episodes on our website, drdoctor.org. Just click on episode archive at the top where you can search all of our episodes by topic or guest.
2: And there are video versions uh, on the website, drdoctor.org. You can click on the link uh, and watch many, many of our episodes.
1: And if you have a
2: question and you go
1: to our website. We won't be answering those anymore. We're going to have to ask somebody else. But if you don't have somebody good to answer it, go find somebody good. I think that's very important. Uh,
0: This is Dr. Tom McGovern. And this is Dr. Chris Stroud.
1: And Dr. Andrew Mullally signing off from your final dose of Dr. Doctor. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.